0: And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, July 15th, 2019. go back in time a little bit and re-review something that we've reviewed before, but bring it forward because it, it so horribly demonstrates how people are making stuff up today. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible and compare, compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God, no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast What the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles, and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God— yeah, weird uh, that works over and again. We demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical is far from biblical, far from what God's word says. And there's a whole lot of ear scratching, ear tickling going on out there, and not, allowed, uh, not a lot of sound Christ centered proper distinguishing between law and gospel, uh, sound exegesis going on. That's like, you know, far from it. So yeah, let me ask you, you know, have, have you ever been told that, you know, uh, the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, that uh, that uh, when the people had to cough up the uh, the water uh, to pour on the sacrifice, that that was the part that they needed to do uh, in order for God to be able to move, and that ultimately this is, has something to do with tithing? Yeah, if you've ever been told that, uh, then brace yourself, because, uh, you know, yeah, th- this this episode of Fighting for the Faith will uh, unbind you from that false teaching and demonstrate how that is not what God's Word teaches. So uh, we're going to take a look then at uh, Levi Lesko, but before we get into it, let's go ahead and do this. I didn't know you was going to start out with it. Looking for a
1: city built above,
2: looking
1: for a city say a million never say
0: We are heading over to Levi Lusco's church and uh, Fresh Life Church in uh, in Montana, and we're going to be listening to a portion of his sermon titled "The Water Is the Problem," and. We're going to listen to a big chunk of this particular sermon, but I want to say this. uh, In order to prepare you for the longer biblical teaching on this, you need to go back into the archives of Fighting for the Faith, uh, back a few weeks to July 11th, 2019, and the video we produced titled, Jennifer Toledo and Waterless Rain Clouds and uh that's the video that you're going to want to take a look at uh, you know Jennifer Toledo and Waterless Rain Clouds because this is the one where I do an entire teaching on First Kings chapter 17 and 18 so that you can get the entire context of the biblical story so i'm going to assume that you have listened to that or watched that uh and uh, it, because that's going to be you know part of the counterpoint in all of this. but what we're going to note then as we listen to this portion of Levi Lesko's sermon, the water is the problem. he's going to be engaging in the first part of it using a Bible twist uh, Bible twisting <laughs> Bible twisting technique known as narcissism the narcissistic reading of yourself into the biblical text. And what he's doing here is he's seeing in the Old Testament stories some kind of pattern that we are to expect when God has called us to kill our Goliath to, you know, you, you kind of get the point. It's, it's just nonsense. And that's this is no way of reading the biblical text. But then once he's done working on the narcissistic, isogenical way of reading the text, He's going to switch gears and turn this into a text about tithing. I wish I was making that up, but I'm not. So let's get to it. Here's uh, Levi Lesko, and the water is the problem. Here we go.
3: The people were spectators to almost all of the events that occurred that day. They watched as Baal's prophets sang They watched as Baal's prophets danced and cut themselves. They watched as Elijah mocked. They watched as Elijah calmly rebuilt the broken down altar. They watched as he dug a trench. They were close. He said, come close. They had a front row seat. They observed. They watched. They even got to watch when God did something that day. When God sent fire from heaven in response to the simple, humble prayer of Elijah. That was not showy, was it? that was not flashy, that did not exalt himself. He said, Lord, let them see that you are God. Let them see that I'm speaking true words, but let them see and let their their hearts be turned to you. Our job is
0: to lead people. Actually, I I need to pay attention to the details on that part because in Elijah's prayer, the thing he prayed um, was that, well, that they would know that the Lord is returning their heart. Let me, yeah, let me read. Let me read the actual prayer. So, um, Elijah said, "Come near." And then Elijah took the twelve stones, and then he put the and then he said, "Do it a second time." All right. So then, Elijah, at the time of the offering of the oblation, that's three in the afternoon, same time that Christ dies on the cross, uh, he said. O Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Yahweh, are God and that you have turned their hearts back, that you are bringing them to repentance. And so note that the active agent is God. God's doing the work here. God's going to cause the fire to come down and so that's kind of an important bit. And uh, he didn't really correctly state that. Let me back it up just a smidge and listen again. The
3: prayer of Elijah
0: that was not showy, was
3: it? No. Nope. That was not flashy. No. Nope. That did not exalt himself. He said, Lord, let them see that you are God. Let them see that I'm speaking true words, but let them see and let their, their hearts be turned to you. Our job is to lead people in a relationship with God. That's our, that's our heart's desire. And so... In response to that, they watched as God shot fire down from heaven, flamethrowers from the sky. Oh, my gosh, pyrotechnics on Mount Carmel. Tonight at 7, Bob. Right? I mean, this this is newsworthy stuff. They watched everything and were passive spectators for it all, except for one thing. The people had one job. And what was it? Just add
0: water. Now, he's going to make a big to-do about this piece of this a little later in the sermon, but he's got to engage in narcissus first. And so he's laying down a stake, just add water. So they were passive. They were passive except for the one thing they had to do. So he's turning that into some kind of a requirement God can't act unless you're acting first. That's really bad theology here. And he's going to be adding details to the text that are not there.
3: That was the assignment that God gave them. I want you to add the water. He gave to the people the same responsibility that that we should live under the weight of. As we ask the Father, he's going to give us the water that's going to flow out in our lives. If we're obedient, if we're walking like we're going to walk, the result is going to be
0: this river, this torrent of water that's going to now note, I'll say this right here, is that water now is going to become code talk for money. Yeah, I wish I was making that up. A flow out of our lives that will allow us to lift the
3: unliftable, to move the unmovable, to do things unbelievable as the water does the work and we just get to float over it in Life And if you missed last week's message, please do. We're referencing a lot because we're in that flow. We're in that stream. And so this definitely builds on what we learned last weekend at Fresh Life Church. You can get it on our app. You can get it on our website. It's all there waiting, free of charge, 24 hours a day. And um, so that, that was the deal. So we learned that, that water must be added. And that's the exact assignment the people were given. Now, if I was one of them... I actually might have objected. Um, if the goal here is fire, if the goal here is burning, if the goal here is combustion,
0: maybe we shouldn't douse it all in bucket after bucket after bucket. Now, no, the way he's telling this story, it's as if somehow Elijah was in partnership with the people who were spectators. That is a total twisting of this text. They had no say in what was going on. This was a pro- This was a showdown between the prophets of Baal, and Elijah. And yes, Elijah did ask for assistance, but in no way was he in partnership with spectators. Like, not at all bucket after bucket of
3: water man of god sir your honor with all due respect you seem to be very crazy and capable of stopping the rain for these last three years so um we don't want to uh in any way interfere with your general prophecy that you're 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 in the midst of prophesying but just maybe rethink the strategy because the goal is burning and this would seem to be a barrier to burning I don't know about you, I go on one camping trip a year with my family, and I have a tough time lighting dry wood on fire successfully. So to me, I'm thinking, will this be a good plan to pour so much water over it that it's literally filling up a tiny reservoir? We've made a moat now, a moat surrounds, there's a drawbridge that actually went up and down. Like, what is happening, Elijah? He's gone crazy. It was the Ravens. They told him to do all this, didn't they? This is not a good plan. So if I'm one of the people there, I'm... This
0: isn't exegesis. This is narcissism and stand-up comedy. But it's not... He's not exegeting the text. What he's saying is not helping us understand its true sense. Again, go back to the Jennifer Toledo video where I work through in the entirety of uh, 1 Kings 17 and almost all of 1 Kings 18. And you, know, you can see the context of what's going on in this text. And... What Levi Lesko is doing here is not exegeting the text. It's actually quite alarming what he's doing because it's harder to spot because it sounds like he's exegeting, but he's narcissistically reading certain things into this text and assumptions that cannot hold up. I might say to Elijah, if the strategy is
3: fire, then the water is the problem. This is not a good plan. This doesn't make... Any scent because wet wood doesn't burn
0: well, yeah, Elijah wasn't asking their opinions at all. in fact, when Elijah confronted the people who were there um, and you know they they pretty much were quite stoic uh, and here's what it says uh, 1 kings eighteen twenty one Elijah came near to all the people, said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions' If Yahweh is God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people did not answer him a word. Mm-hmm. So Elijah doesn't need their opinions. They that he confronted them, and they remained silent. They're bystanders here. And although he asked them for, you know, their assistance as far as putting water on the sacrifice, uh, that does not mean that somehow he was soliciting their opinions as to what he was going to do. And so this is, this is just nonsense. And so we'll note here, he, he put the wood in order, this is verse 33, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood, and then he said, fill four jars with water, pour it on the burnt offering, and on the wood, and he said, do it a second time, they did it a second time, he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time, and the water ran around the altar, and filled the trench with water. So no, nothing here about them saying, If the goal here is fire, why are you doing that? And, of course, I pointed this out in the last video, and I'll point it out here. Where would the water come from? Uh, This is uh, Mount Carmel, at least where it's located on the map in Israel, just south of Haifa. And the place where this took place is less than a mile, less than a kilometer, in fact, from the big blue wet thing known as the Mediterranean Sea. And so the question is, where did the water come from? The water came from the big blue wet thing. Uh, That's the thing that makes a lot of sense because they were in the middle of a famine. They wouldn't have had uh, much of any other kind of water. And so there was an abundance of water quite close nearby. In fact, I pointed this out. If you go to maps.google.com, you take a look at photos of the area around Mount Carmel there seems to be quite a lot of water nearby, and that's going to be an important fact in this because Levi Lusko is going to stick stuff into the text that's not there in order to make a point regarding tithing. But we come back to the narcissistic part of the sermon before we get to that part.
3: But there's a principle here at play, and I think we've got to pause and take note of it from the very beginning. God can do the impossible, yeah, but he I'm... often calls us to do the impractical.
0: Uh, really, what, what impractical things am I called to do? Hmm? So you'll note here that the assumption is is that what Elijah did, you're going to be called to do something similarly impractical, like Elijah was. This is the full. This is the basic presupposition of narcissistic e- eisegesis, is that you read these texts and you go, "Well, see, there's a pattern here. Elijah was asked to do something impractical. Gideon." was asked to do something impractical. Oh my goodness, take a look at Jericho. They were asked to do something impractical. So therefore, we can see this principle in play. God's going to ask you to do something impractical too. You know, no, this is this is not an actual biblical teaching. This is a narcissistic reading into the biblical text. The assumption that you are as important as Elijah. Mm-hmm. Or Gideon or whatever, you know, you get the point that but all the types and shadows point to Jesus, not you, and that's the problem. Wow, that's you gotta know this about our God.
3: Otherwise you'll always be like grinding up against stuff like what? What? God does stuff that's impossible. That's like his MO. He's He's God in heaven. <laughs> Nothing's too difficult for him. Owns the cattle on a thousand hills, speaks the word and stars come flying out of his mouth that he knows the name of them all. Like, so he's, he's bad to the bone. You can do anything he wants. Impossible stuff, not hard for him at all. But he often, in accomplishing impossible things, calls his people to do impractical things. Just all over the Bible. We don't have time to go into it, but Joshua and Jericho, want to knock the city down? Oh yeah, I got a plan for that. Just walk around it and yell really loud.
0: Now, note, this is not how this really went down. And claiming that this is a principle is something far different than saying this is a biblical teaching. There is no biblical text that says, therefore, you should expect that when God is speaking to you to change the world or do something, you know, impossible, that he's going to ask you to do something impractical. The problem here is that you're assuming the biblical texts are about you, and they're not. They're about Christ. You know, that's, that's one option. Let's put a pin in that. And
3: um, let's talk about other ideas you might have up there. Because uh, clearly that's not a good solution. Uh, there's this nine-foot-tall giant. He's uh, cussing at us every day. Uh, stuff about feeding our flesh to the birds of the air. It's not kind.
0: and Which is, again, a type and shadow pointing to Christ's defeat of the devil. We'll get to that in a future edition of the, uh, you know, Pirate Christian's Guide to Understanding the Old Testament.
3: We think something should happen. And God's like, I have the perfect candidate. He is this tall and has a slingshot. Well, you know what, God, that's, um, that's option A, for sure. That's, you know what, we're brainstorming, nothing's off limits. Let's
0: go ahead and put it on the whiteboard, but um, let's just uh, keep on generating. a Do you really think that when God says he's going to do something, that you can somehow just take God's, the way he says he's going to do it, and put it aside and discuss other possible options. This is blasphemous. This is utterly blasphemous and a complete mangling of these, these accounts to make them about you rather than about Christ.
3: A few others just so we... Uh... And you could go through the whole Bible that way, couldn't you? God can do the impossible, but he often calls his people in doing that to do the impractical. Why? Because he's interested in faith. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, granted, God definitely is interested in faith, in trusting in him, indeed. And his ways are not our ways.
3: And if he always came up with strategies that made sense and always called people. Strategies. What are you talking about? People to do things that you looked at them and go, oh, that makes total perfect sense. Like, I, 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 I wish I could bring you on the road with me. I wish I wish you could be in every back room I've been in at every conference because you would laugh hysterically for when the moment comes that someone looks me in the eyes and sits back in their chair and says, so tell me, why Montana? Are you an avid hunter? Have you always had an interest in the outdoors? And, and, and the guys who travel with me, they, they probably su- suppress laughter inside their hearts because they watch me always, oh, yeah, like as though, like, whoa, that's a great question. That's a, whoa, never, never heard that before. Didn't hear that last
0: night and didn't hear that the week before that in Chicago. And- so notice he's talking about himself. See, this is true because, look, I was called by God to go to Montana. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, see, so now he's pointing to his own life as proof that this principle is true because he himself has been called by God to change the world the way Elijah did and Joshua did and Gideon did and uh-huh, and uh, lots of people in the Bible and
3: stuff. And in Dallas and in Philadelphia and in Baton Rouge and in Asheville. And, and I'm not trying to be, like, be rude. It is a perfectly good question. Why? Because none of this makes any
0: sense. None of this makes any sense. The- I don't know. Pastoring people in Montana makes perfect sense. I happen to pastor people in eastern, uh, sorry, western Minnesota, northwestern Minnesota. Yeah, there's human beings there. They need to hear about Christ and be called to repent of their sins and trust in him for the forgiveness of their sins. That God called us here, that we would do this, that we would see this, that we would go here, that we would go to Salt Lake City,
3: that we would, of course, open up, that, that, that Pulsum would open up by itself. Like, none of this makes sense, right? But God can do the impossible, and he often calls us to do things that are impractical.
0: So apparently it's impractical to preach the gospel in Montana. Huh? Like that's, I want to reach big cities.
3: Yeah, go to rural America. Well, Lord, that's one idea. Right? I want to save the world. I'll send a guy to
0: a virgin in that, like... like that. So now here, the principle even applies regarding Jesus. See, he's just like Jesus, because, you know, sending a guy to a virgin, that's impractical too. This whole thing is breaking down now. This is just God's style. So, so let me just give you some, like, general
3: operating procedural information. When, when God tells you to do something, the actual instruction is honestly irrelevant
0: it's the source of- now notice the people near the front of the stage who are going oh wow woo, that's called the bullpen yeah these these are people who are volunteered and trained they volunteer and then they're trained to whenever the uh, the pastor says something pseudo profound, they're to gawk and sit there with slack jaw and go, "Wow, that's amazing." Yeah, this is a form of manipulation. These bullpens are of the
3: instruction that's super significant. Like, like like within the revealed word of God, okay, like I'm not saying like he tells you to like punch your brother, You're like, "Oh, well, God told me to do that. His, he often tells us to do things, his ways are not our ways. Okay. Stop it. I'm, I'm talking about like, as God leads you to just go up to a stranger and tell
0: him, "God bless you.": Yeah, or maybe go and brush their hair, like Beth Moore claims, uh-huh, right see the problems here if you always feel like God would have you linger and,
3: and, and be generous and give something to someone just just for no reason
0: so notice we're outside of the Bible at this point you know you know we're hearing the voice of God anywhere. In, in line at the
3: store. As you follow the impulses of the Holy Spirit, as this river rushes out of your heart, there are going to be things He's going to call you to do that are irrational, that don't make sense, that don't jive with your plan, that human wisdom, that your girlfriend, that, that your parents aren't going to think like, and, and, and the, the actual action is honestly irrelevant. It's the source of the instruction. It's a who, not a what. Always a who, not a what. Is God telling me to do this? Is is? So you have to ask. If you have to ask, God's not telling you. The godly voices in my life. What is my community? My Fresh Life group. What is my campus pastor? My team leader? Are the voices in my life saying, "Yeah, that that that's that's, that's something that God would do." Okay, it doesn't make any sense, but we'll go with you on it. We'll step out in faith with you on it. You know what I'm saying? The it's the who, not the what. It's the
0: source. Not the actual thing. Because, no, no the, the what is not a good plan. So note here, we're, we're, he's not pointing people to the Bible, for real. He's not pointing them, this is where you go. You know, all scripture is anustas, God breathed, profitable for teaching, correction, for reproof and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now now we're we're you know the voice of God is out on the wind it's in the grocery store it, it, you never know where it's going to show up and you you need other people sit there and go yeah well maybe that is the voice of God and we think that's something he would do and we're we're not exactly sure but we'll go with you on it and the crazier and the more irrational it is well the more probable it is that that's God talking wrong all right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash PirateChristian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at PirateChristian. When we come back, uh, the balance of today's lesson regarding the water being the problem I think Levi Lesko is the problem, but uh, we'll continue shortly. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Sisioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
3: This is the.
2: Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. It's... Marty
1: Python's Flying Circus Church. Hello. I wish to register a complaint. Uh, we're closing for lunch. Never mind that, my lad. I wish to complain about the sermon that I purchased a day ago from this very boutique. Uh,
0: yes. Uh, what's wrong with it?
1: Tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. It's a dead sermon. That's what's wrong with it.
0: No, not possible. You just preached it wrong. Look,
1: matey. I know a dead sermon when I preach one. And I know that the sermon I preached yesterday was certainly dead. Jesus Christ wasn't mentioned once. Not even in the footnotes. No,
0: no, you just weren't charismatic enough. Remarkable sermon. Beautiful imagery. The imagery, don't enter
1: into it. It's stone dead. No, 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 no. You're just not open-minded enough. All right, then. If it's not dead, then I should be able to preach the gospel. I read a portion of it. Ahem. And then the camp counselor told all of the woodland creatures to become more righteous so that they, too, could get to the place called heaven. You, you see what I mean? This is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. I found the gospel in the sermon.
1: No, you didn't. That was you just writing the word gospel on the cover of the room-temperature sermon. Well, I never. Yes, you did. I I never, never did anything. This entire sermon fails to preach anything that's worth anything to anyone. Now, that's what I call a dead sermon. No, no, no. You haven't looked deep enough into yourself. You must be joking. Well, you're just being divisive, and you refuse to accept the message that's being presented. Um, Now, look. Now, look, mate. I've definitely had enough of this. That sermon is definitely rotten, and when I purchased it not but a day ago, you assured me that it was Christ-centered, cross-focused, and filled to bursting with the gospel.
0: Well, if you would just read the title.
1: Read the title? What kind of title is this anyway? Super Spiritual Happy Fun Friends Adventure Camp Pack. (laughs) Mate, listen, people wouldn't be chasing me to hear this rubbish if I was firing midgets out of cannons. It's bleeding demise. You didn't buy
0: the midget cannon expansion pack?
1: The sermon has passed on. The sermon is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to me and its maker. It's a stiff, bereft of life, it burns in hell. If you hadn't put it in the wrong package sleeve, I would be using it for fire starter. The thought processes that brought it about are now history. It's off the twig. It's kicked the bucket. The bleeding choir invisible wouldn't listen to this sham. This is an ex-sermon. Uh,
0: well, well I, I'd better replace it then. Let's see. here. Uh, Christ, centered uh, Gospel, Jesus, uh, uh. well, sorry, Squire. I've had a look around in the back of the shop and, uh, well... We're right out of well, whatever it
1: is that you're looking for. I see. I see. I get the picture.
0: I, I got a sermon here from Rick
1: Warren. Does it contain Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice?
0: Well, no, not really.
1: Well, that's hardly a replacement, is it?
0: Look, if, if, if you're really dead set on the whole Jesus thing, I suggest that you look up Pirate Christian Radio. All they do is talk about Jesus 24-7. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Pirate Christian Radio? Very well, I'll give them a try. <laughs> For additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today.
2: Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. Whoa. Whoa. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, uh, we throw them in the boo box. <laughs> no, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo-box. <laughs> to err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today
0: all right we're back Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith, good, cause you to think that um, the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel has nothing to do with tithing. Because it doesn't. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring fighting for the faith to and to the world and you can partner with us it is a partnership visit our website fightingforthefaith.com when you get there you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons one says donate the other says join our crew the other says become a patron when you join our crew you get to pick your rank in our crew and rank is based upon your monthly commitment lowest rank is powder monkey at nine dollars 95 cents a month after that gunners made at 24.95 a month from there, Master Gunner at forty-nine ninety-five a month and then quartermaster at ninety-nine ninety-five a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. If you would like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the donate button. If you'd like to support us the traditional old-fashioned analog way, you can do that as well. Make your gift payable too, Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to post office box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208, and let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, here is the uh, balance of, uh, of today's uh, lesson on the, uh, the, the water is the problem with Levi Lesko as we untwist his twisting of scripture. Here we go.
3: But where God is concerned, His strategy with with what what is the wetter the better, the wetter the better,
0: the more ridiculous, the more preposterous, the more human wisdom. With- that's how you know it's from God. The more ridiculous and preposterous it is, that's got to be God. No biblical text teaches this. And would say, not going to happen,
3: isn't going to work. There's no way God could do that. The, the the wetter the better. Ask Gideon. Ask Gideon who God whittled down his army, going to fight a far superior force. God whittled down his army until he was left with only 300 dudes to go up against a force that was numbering over 100,000, as numerous as locusts, right? And, and Gideon's standing there urinating. But what did I tell you? Where God's concerned, the wetter, the better. <laughs> See how I combined two things? And one of them was peeing your pants, right? But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just telling you, like, like, what is impossible to us is not impossible to him.
0: That's true. But what you're teaching these people is not taught in the Bible. And so if
3: something phenomenal is going to happen, if God's going to write a great story, it has to have a hook. It
0: has to have a, part, a plot twist. It has to. Have- so if God's going to write a story, you know, he's going to write your story into the next edition of the Bible. And, it, it, and since we're, we, you are so important, we got, it's got to have a hook. So God's going to tell you to do something impractical catch the narcissism here Have, of course there's going to be a part where nothing's working out
3: of course something's going to go bust of course your car is going to break down of course of course of course so, a horse is a horse of course of course but there's going to be a, like when that chapter comes don't throw your hands up in the air i thought we we're serving god go here you are i'm pleased to meet you plot twist i'm pleased to meet you walk around the city i'm pleased to meet you the woods wet god
0: yeah the, the assumption is is that your life is going to be chapters in the bible that's it's same level here
3: what's the wood before he lights it it's how he gets started writing a great story because he's a good author like, like what's Braveheart without all of the hard things he went through
0: just a dude in a dress <laughs> but you add the, 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 the so is the story of Braveheart uh, what we should expect then? freedom! yeah yeah you're you 're the next you know <laughs> william wallace right yeah you're you 're the next and, and apparently his story is going to be written in scripture too
3: the 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 hardship you add the bitterness, you add the antagonism now it 's a movie someone wants to watch, and God is seeking to produce a brilliant
0: story yeah see God wants to make a movie about you and and other people are going to want to watch it, so expect him to make the story really interesting. So the people will want to watch the story about you. Uh Uh-huh. A
3: a, a real edge-of-your-seat thriller in our lives, in our day. What's considered the alternative? Do you want a life that by the end of it is like, meh, that totally happened.
0: They were here. Do you want a boring life that nobody wants to hear about?
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Or do you want to participate in a life bigger than the sum of its parts? Where after it's all said and done, looking back, the only explanation is God did it. He moved.
0: Is that the reason why 1 Kings chapter 18 was written? To motivate us to desire to have a life that everybody would be interested in reading about or hearing about. Is that the reason why 1 Kings... 18 was written. No. Not at all.
3: Empower for his glory with his strength through his hand by mobilizing his people as they were willing to do things that didn't
0: make sense to live a part of a... He's got everyone on their feet. They're standing. Oh, oh, man, this is so inspiring. and It's narcissistic beyond all belief, and that's not why... God had First Kings 18 written.
3: Journey bigger than
0: themselves. That's the life I want. It's what we were born to live. We I want a life that everyone's going to focus on. Me, 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 me. And say, oh, what a great life he lived. And that's a great story. Me, 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 me. Narcissism. That's what this is.
3: We are the people of God. We are the hope of this
0: world as he builds his. No, Christ is the hope of this world. Church. And it's going to include stuff that's weird. Now he's going to make the segue. Because that's how he normally preaches this. He's not going to eschew that. He's just going to build on top of it. And that's how I usually preach this text. But not this weekend.
3: Every time I've read 1 Kings 18, that's what I thought. God had them uh, wet the wood just to stack the odds against him, just to show how tough he was.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he baptized that uh, sacrifice three times in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, just saying. But, But then I started thinking, I was like, wait a minute. Fire from heaven is impossible.
3: So, like, water on it really doesn't ratchet up the level of difficulty at all. If a meteorite is going to fall from heaven at the command of the prophet on that exact spot at that exact moment, wet or dry, the sucker's going to burn, (laughs) right? So he was already doing something. God was already calling him to do something impractical. When he threw down, at my command, fire's going to fall after you try. You can even go first. I'll be the finale. Like there was already all the this is crazy wetting yourself action needed. I don't believe anymore that the water, as good of preaching as that was, and it it was really good. (laughs) I I don't actually believe what God showed me that
0: I want to show to you. Now, notice what he just said here. God showed me this. He's claiming direct revelation from God and that this is a Holy Spirit-inspired interpretation. In other words, to challenge what he says next is not to challenge Levi Lesko, is to challenge God himself who put this on his heart to share the story in this way you is is something else i saw in the text and and to- So notice he, he's not eschewing the other part he's just saying he saw something else and that God's the one who showed him this get there we have to ask this question
3: where did all the water come from
0: i don't know the big blue wet thing called the mediterranean sea that's a A view from Mount Carmel right there. Yeah, There's a lot of water out there in that Mediterranean. And even during the drought, the Mediterranean was still full. And it's less than a kilometer away from Mount Carmel. Just saying. We continue. Because we're in a three-year-long drought. Yeah, the bullpen's going nuts here. The uh, pseudo profound bovine scatology is flying at this point in heaping up in large piles. And they're going, wow. Yeah. Big blue wet thing, Mediterranean. That's less than a kilometer away from where that was.
3: We know the people were called to come on this field trip. And what did they have to bring with them? Some sort of a camelback, canteen wooden hip water bottle with the aluminum top shaped like a bowling pin it's so trendy right now clean canteen whatever it was they had to have hydration to come from wherever their tribe lived so they all and how precious were those few drops cuz i'll tell you the reservoirs are getting low y'all god allowed them i mean they had reserves and they had they had they had water they had they had they had cisterns and all that but for three years, they weren't getting replenished. The aquifers weren't getting replenished. They were getting the wells were getting pretty dry. Doing soundings, and man, right? There's not a lot of water left. So whatever water was there on top of this mountain, there's a
0: ton of water. Just like fact like, like gazillion tons of water. It's right there, you know. It's just walk out of the Mediterranean and load it up. I'm just saying was water they brought
3: with them because there's not like naturally occurring water on top of this mountain. No,
0: it's, it's less than a kilometer away though. It's like right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so
3: Elijah somehow, God led him to pull out the one job that was going to be the people's job.
0: Now he's going to make a lot of hay about, oh, this is the one thing that was the people's job. And that was going to be something that
3: they could do, but only if they worked together. And that is each of them pouring out the little bit of water they had. Maybe all the water they had. And once they filled those water pots up, and they all did okay, everyone did it. Everyone who had water on our system, do you have water? Yeah. No, I didn't bring any. Once everyone had poured their water out, he dumped it out and said, let's fill them up again. Got me more water. Can't, can't continue till these are full again. Now a couple of guys, Oh, I forgot my canteen. Oh yeah. You forgot it. And now they get filled again. And one final time until maybe he's passing people through a metal detector. I don't know how I got it all, but eventually all the water had been poured out. Everyone gave the water that they
0: did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's a lot of water. I mean, just noodles. I mean, you can float tanker ships on it and, you know, container ships and and all kinds. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there it is. I mean, it's so close to Mount Carmel. I mean, I, I have no idea where they, where could they possibly have gotten that water from? Yeah, yeah I, I'm sure. I mean, they had to give until it hurts. Yeah.
3: And only then, when they had all done their part, their human element,
0: did God do his part. Yeah, this is what we call putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Okay, cuz what is a passing bit of information. He's really making a lot of hay and turning this into the thing they had to do. Uh-huh. God promised that there would be rain, promised, and God wasn't going to it was not going to somehow not make good on his promise and there and him keeping his promise to make it rain that day was not contingent upon them giving up their precious little fresh water that they had i mean it's not like if they hadn't have done you know given up their fresh water god was going to go well i was going to make it rain today but i guess i'm not that's i mean this is nonsense so here's the point i want to make out of this it's giving not keeping that leads to receiving that's not what 1st Kings 18 is about at all. This is this is deceitful beyond belief here. This is manipulation because what he's really trying to do is put the thumbscrews down on these people and make it say, "Well, there it is right there in 1st Kings 18. You got you got to be tithing if you if you want to receive from God, well, you better give till it hurts." Because the story ends with an unlimited
3: amount of water. Opened up for them once again. This is a form of the prosperity heresy. But the only way they got to that was in giving up what was currently all they had.
0: Yeah, no, they, they had a lot of water, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking there. Yeah, that's quite a bit of water. Yeah, right next to Mount Carmel. I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of water. I'm saying and once they came to a place
3: where they were willing to take what was in their hands that was precious to them and let it be poured
0: out for God did they come to a place where God could then open up the windows of heaven on God, the- God apparently couldn't open the windows of heaven until they had given up their precious little water
2: oh.
3: their lives again and give them a blessing that they could not even calculate had they had the
0: ability a, a blessing The reason why it wasn't raining for the last three years is because God was making a point that he's the one who brings the rain. This is all about him defeating Baal and showing the whole narrative about Baal bringing the rain is a complete idolatrous lie. It's giving, not keeping, that leads
3: to receiving. And this is counterintuitive, but it's true. Because had they hung
0: onto the water... That is all they would have had. No text says that. You just inserted that. And you can claim God laid this on your heart all you want. There is no textual evidence. In fact, a whole lot of it to deny that what you're saying is true. But only when they poured
3: out what they had, could they then from God receive more. This is the principle. It's in in the Bible. Um, It's in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. It says, one man gives freely,
0: pours out freely. Yet gains even more. Yeah, Proverbs eleven twenty four is not a cross reference to First Kings eighteen at all. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Again, it has nothing to do. This has nothing to do with First uh, Kings eighteen. Nothing whatsoever.
3: Eugene Peterson put it this way: the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger, but the world of the stingy just gets smaller.
0: And smaller as he closes in on us. First Kings eighteen is not a tithing text at all. This is true with resource.
3: This is true with time. This is true with with affection. This is true with warm words. This is true in every way. When we withhold, when we have a closed mentality. It, well, listen, closed hands can't receive a gift.
0: Again, this text has nothing to do. With generosity or tithing. But the hands of openness, the hands that
3: give, the hands that are generous, generous in time, generous in money, generous in life. I want to live a life that gets bigger. I want to live a life that just pours out. I want to live a life that, that, that lays before God and shares with people, knowing that is how God then can see fit to bless us with more once we've given out what we have. And I believe that principle was at work here. And it was so important to them because the whole system that Jezebel introduced was carnal and materialistic and worshiping of sex and worshiping of money and living me, 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 my, my. Yeah, worshiping of Baal, worshiping of Asherah. My, my, and not caring about eternity, only caring about this life. And God knew that God of Mammon had a stranglehold. It
0: wasn't Mammon that they were worshiping, it was Baal.
3: ...on his people, and only generosity can
0: break the back of the God called greed. Only- the God called greed was not the one that was being challenged that day. The God that was being challenged that day had a name, and his name was Baal. Th- this is, i if you can tell, I'm a little bit incensed. I'm a little hot under the collar here. This is manipulation of the worst kind. And, you know... Turning this into a tithing text is deplorable beyond all belief. I, I'm having a hard time listening to more of it.
3: Only generosity can free us from its shackles when we open up and give. And I love the beauty of this picture, that it's giving, not hoarding,
0: that leads to having. There was no hoarding going on, and there was no giving of money, and the God of greed was not the thing that was on trial that day, it was Baal. I think you get the point. Um, so if you are sitting under a pastor who takes First Kings 18 and turns it into a tithing text, you, you're, you're attending a church where the pastor does not know how to rightly handle God's word. And he's being influenced by all kinds of nonsense. And he needs to repent. And if he won't, you need to find a different church because you're being manipulated and pushed hard and pressed into in order to cough up your resources to ingratiate the vision-casting leader and his vision, and uh, you're being told false things about God and his word in the process. So I think you get the point. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition. Or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is TalkBack at FightingForTheFaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.